This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Hockey Central here on Sportsnet 960. Haley Salvian here with you for the next hour. The Calgary Flames uh, beat the Anaheim Ducks last night 5-1. to one. We're going to dive into that a bit more with Peter Klein when he joins the show at the top of the hour. He uh, works for the Daily Hive in Calgary. But first, I want to talk about something that seems to be a very popular topic today, a big subject that's come up. Last night was the final showdown of the World Baseball Classic between Japan and the United States. It was a huge matchup, not just because it was the final of the World Baseball Classic, but because we got to watch Shohei Otani and Mike Trout go head-to-head in this game. Um, Obviously, they're teammates in the MLB, and then they get to play against each other in the World Baseball Classic. You get probably the best, most unique and talented player in baseball against one of the greatest to play baseball. Uh, Otani struck out Trout to lead Japan to the title uh, and won the MVP in the process. The game was a ton of fun, and I talked about this a little bit on Twitter because I'm so I'm almost so tired of having this conversation because it's been going on for for several years now. But it was yet another reminder that we don't have this in the NHL right now. Like we don't get to watch Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Apologies, you know, to pick two Oilers players, but we don't get to watch, you know, two stars on the same team going head to head for a major title. We don't get to see Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, Kale McCarr all on the same team trying to win a gold medal for this country. Like we just don't have that. And we haven't since 2016 with the World Cup of Hockey. And if we want to just talk Olympics, we haven't since the 2014 Olympics in Sochi. Getting best on best back is important for players. Like we know that to be true. We saw it with Brad Marchand when he was talking about it uh, on social media. He was very vocal about the fact that the NHL pulled the plug from NHLers going to the Olympics. Of course, COVID was a consideration, uh, but that decision happened so quickly to just say, nope, we're out. And then we saw how much the NHL did to kind of reshuffle the scheduling last season. Like there was things that could have been done, players believe, to go to the Olympics during the last Winter Games. Um, but now there's Connor McDavid talking about it today. This is the clip that we have from McDavid talking in the locker room uh, about best on best in the World Baseball Classic last night. It's what we've been asking for in hockey for a long time, right? Um, it's best on best. Um, you know, look, everyone's talking about baseball. And, you know, you see you know, Tony versus Trout. You know, that's what hockey's been missing for you know, almost a decade now. So, um, yeah, that's what, we've been, that's what we've been asking for. I know that the financial incentive is not necessarily there for the NHL. I mean, the World Baseball Classic is in preseason, whereas the NHL needs to shut down for Olympic participation. Um, But there's growth and exposure on the table for the NHL. I I know that the IOC would more immediately and financially benefit 
from NHLers at the Olympics, and, and that's probably a major issue for the NHL. We talked about this yesterday with the Fanatics deal. If you have a question about why something's happening with this league, you probably just need to follow the money, and, and that's probably what's going on here. Um, but at the same time, like we, we just this is something that needs to be figured out. The Olympics might not generate immediate cash for the NHL, but it showcases the very best that the league has to offer on an international stage, which should only generate new fans of this sport. And if the NHL thinks it's above trying to grow the game, I mean, they're they're wrong. Um if it's not the Olympics, have a World Cup of Hockey in the preseason like they do in baseball. Um, I think we have Peter Klein on the line, and I know this is something that he wants to talk about. Uh, and uh, thank you to to the texter who said this take is old news, find new material. This happened last night. <laughs> Connor McDavid just spoke a couple hours ago. So thank you for that. Uh, and I know that this is something that Peter Klein wants to talk about. So let's hear if his uh, his take is older than mine. <laughs> Klein, what's up? Hey, yeah, I, I didn't realize something that had happened like not even 24 hours ago. It's the old news. <laughs> like this, this news cycle is is absolutely uh, blowing past me. Apparently, but I can't um, keep I mean, up you, personally. Yeah, no, me neither. Like by by the end of this interview, uh, I will already have been old news. Uh, it's like, wait, this guy's been <laughs> on for 10 minutes. Let's keep this ball rolling, hey? Um, we're just going to devolve into just like 15 seconds. Like radio is just going to be audio TikTok the whole way. Uh, but now that I've officially made it sound like I'm 55 years old, um, <laughs> I, I'm uniquely qualified to talk about baseball now. Um, but yeah. no, I, I thought that I thought the points you made there were great. Like the, the, this, it's, it's a conversation that comes up a bunch too when you're talking about anything with growing the game. Um, I, I'm sure you, you've heard it a billion times and it gets incredibly frustrating when you talk about any type of involvement with anything for women's talk. You say, oh, well, they lose money. So blah, 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 blah. And it's like, <laughs> look, I, I, I understand I went into broadcasting, so like, don't be taking financial advice from me. But there is a thing called investing. You know, you, you are, like, not everything is going to make a billion dollars right away. You are allowed to put money into something and invest in it. And, like, maybe it will be a loss leader for a couple of years, but eventually you are going to see the growth of it. And if if you as the National Hockey League cannot market, whether it's the, the World Cup, whether it is uh, the, the Olympics, if it is the Marc Messier Leadership Cup, and you just have people wearing logos of different teams, but if you have best on best and you can't turn that into something marketable, that's not the tournament's fault, that's your fault. Yeah, it's um, it, like a generation of major stars in this sport have not represented their country in a best on best format. Like we haven't seen the McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby on the same team. We haven't seen the Kachucks on Team USA. Uh, I went back and looked at the last Olympic roster and only nine players are still playing in the NHL right now. <laughs> like most of them are retired and they have been for a long time and that's from team canada i should say that's not team canada and team usa but it's been a long time and i know that this isn't you know a fresh new topic i i said that i tweeted about that i'm i'm sick of talking about this too but it continues to come up because we continue to watch other sports experience these fun evenings of mike trout versus Shohei otani in the World Baseball Classic, and then NHLers get to, you know, fans of the NHL, NHLers, they get to sit at home and think, huh, that would have been nice. So. 
Yeah, Maybe it really, is old news. Last night might end up being like one of the top sports moments of the year. Um, with Otani against Trout was two out in the ninth inning. Like it, it, it's almost cliche that it came up. And it, it's one of those, like if it was in a Hollywood movie, no one would believe it. That was actually true last night where, where you have two of the best players in that sport on the planet facing each other. And they just so happen to never face each other because they're on the same team going for the world baseball classic. Like, like that was drama in its highest form last night it was unbelievable to watch and it, it just it, it really does it makes you just yearn for these um i know like i, I do uh game over calgary the game ever uh, game over edmonton folks were talking about um the the oilers and who they could be facing in the first round it, those are discussions they get to have um but they were talking about oh man it could be mcdavid against eichel in a, a high profile matchup isn't that amazing it's like you could just make that you can just do that right now. Just like, boom, mm-hmm. bang, World Cup, right there. McDavid, Eichel, ESPN, TNT, TBS, wherever you want to put that one, ABC, wherever you want to put it, you just have it there. McDavid against Matthews. You have McDavid and Crosby on the same line. Mason McKinnon can be there, too, just for kicks. Um, like, it just, I, there is not one explanation. I don't like to be this hard-headed on stuff. There is not one explanation that I can wrap my head around for not doing a best-on-best championship, whether it's a World Cup, whether it's going back to the Olympics. If we go this entire time with no Crosby and McDavid on the same team in a best-on-best, then that is just an absolute crime. And like you said, like there's so many other compelling storylines you would have with the, the Kachucks having like the, this really amazing era of American hockey players not be able to, to kind of showcase it. Uh, a lot of American players coming up talked about like the, the 96 World Cup. This could be that for growing the, the sport in the United States. So I just, I, I can't believe anyone watched. And not just last night, like this entire tournament was incredible with the, the passion that was shown. Randy, Randy Rosarena, not a great dude, phenomenal baseball player who had an unbelievable moment the other night with that, that catch um, uh, against Team Japan. And then just, Staring into the abyss. It was amazing. And then the walk-off win for the, the Japanese to get into the championship game. So many amazing moments. And you can tell so many great stories along the way. Like, it's just sitting there begging for the NHL to take money from it. Yep. I'm with you, Peter. It, it, it all comes down to the to the money, and we did get one question, the text line of, of, you know, why does the NHL have to shut down? They only provide a few players from each team. It's not like every team is sending all you know, everyone from the NHLPA, and I think the end of the day that comes down to money, right? Like you're not going to just have the Pittsburgh Penguins playing without, you know, Sidney Crosby. You're not going to have the, the Oilers playing without McDavid and Dreisaitl, et cetera, right? Yeah, no, that, that would be, I mean, it would be funny, and it would yeah, be a great boost sure. for, yeah, yeah it, would, it would be a great boost for like, man, Arizona's really got a shot because they're not sending a damn person over there. <laughs> So that they can really make some really make up some room here, but no, like the hockey's really hard. Some of these guys could just use a bit of a break, you know. So like I, mm-hmm. I, I just I don't understand why should they have to pause their their season because you have the best hockey players in the world playing each other, and if you don't want to do that, baseball didn't pause anything. They had spring training games going on while that game was happening last night. Royals and Cubs enthralling baseball, I'm sure. Just put it in the preseason if you don't want to do the Olympics, which I mean, fine. That's why the World Cup of Hockey makes the most sense, but they can't figure that out either. Which is insane! How can you, what can you not figure out? Okay, well, we get a bunch of money, you get a bunch of, uh, you get a a spotlight, and we can kind of dominate the sports conversation at a time where there wouldn't, 
be a whole lot else going on. Like it, it just it makes it makes too much sense for it to not be happening. It it, it, it continues to boggle my mind. Yeah, I, I still remember the 2018 Olympics, the golden gold from Crosby. Uh, I mean, the the Iggy call. Like those are such iconic moments in the sport and it's we're just missing out like at the end of the day on really good hockey games and really good moments to to grow the game and just to watch good hockey um i was at the world cup of hockey that was in toronto in 2016 i was still in university at the time and i went to school uh in the city and i went to almost every single game i got you know a pass to to go and do some like blogging stuff for school and it was an incredible experience and, and I, it's just a shame that we haven't had access to that it's a shame that young fans uh potential future fans haven't had the access to to watch these games because at the end of the day watching you know hockey at, at that level was you know a huge part of of me becoming such a big fan of this sport uh and and you know hopefully we can get back to a point where where that's an option for other people uh Let's move on to the to the game from last night. Yeah, <laughs> talk a little bit about the yeah, Flames here. Sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I mean, we're talking about hockey at the highest level. That's an easy transition to go into last night's Flames Ducks game. Yeah, exactly. So the Flames, they do uh, this time. I know, you know, last week wasn't a great result, but this time the Calgary Flames do beat the Anaheim Ducks five to one out of town scoreboard. Not great. Last night, the Jets wins. The Flames stay four points back of wild card two and the Nashville Predators still have a better points percentage with a couple games in hand over Calgary. Um, But before we maybe look at you know, some of the playoff odds here that Calgary's kind of working with. What were your major takeaways from the win last night? Um, well, I, from a flying standpoint, the, the thing that really jumped out to me was how involved the, the defense core was in the actual production of offense. You look at the, the first three goals that are scored. Um, it was, I believe, a Hannafin shot from the point that gets stopped or gets blocked, and Richie is able to put that one in. Uh, you have a Rasmus Anderson one-timer from hell, which was incredible. Um, and you had the C's just open up, allowing Stetcher to, to walk in and score. Now, that last one, I don't know if it's overly repeatable, but like Noah Hannafin putting the puck toward the goal, and he is someone who I have been banging the drum for. Like that, there you, you see how skilled he is as a skater. You see how he can handle the puck well. There has to be a little bit more of of that in his offensive arsenal. I think there is another level he can get to. Rasmus Anderson has always had the best shot on this team, and that thing is a weapon that I would love to see more. We've talked on, on this particular program about Mackenzie Weger and the offensive upside that he could potentially have. This team has, I think, some help on the blue line when they are struggling to score goals, which has been uh, for about 72 games now. That they, you can go to those guys on the point that can really start to, to unlock some things a little bit. And th- there was this conversation a bit ago about someone needs to create some room for, for Huberto out there. It was around the trade deadline when they were looking at getting new player. There's, oh, create some room. Well, if, if people start to take your defense a little bit more seriously on the offensive side, that just by the nature of how the sport works is going to open things up in the offensive zone as well. And I, I just, I feel like for a team that has been playing in a lot of very close games, not the last two, but for for a team that has been playing in some really close games and it's coming down to the wire, this, these are the types of things that can help get you there. When Cubro is not having the year you want, Kadri's had a couple of months where it's kind of sputtering a little bit. These are some players who can really help to unlock things for you from a flame standpoint, I feel like. 
Last year, every single blue liner had career high production. That was a huge talking point last season with this team is, you know, Nikita Zadorov, Oliver Shillington, uh, Chris Tanev, like every single blue line regular, Erica Branson, hit a new level in their offensive production. The, you know, the integration of the blue line, you know, jumping up into the play was seamless. The the team was really connected in that kind of, you know, not to use the hockey jargon, but that five-man unit. You could take a snapshot of, of the team on the ice most of the time last season, and all five guys would kind of be in that little photograph. They're, they were always kind of covering for each other, jumping up into the play, however you want to describe it. Why do you think there's been a drop-off in that regard this season when it comes to the production and the kind of effectiveness of this blue line? Is it, you know, because of some of the changes? Obviously not having Oliver Shillington is a huge hole after the season he had. Um, you're, you're integrating Mackenzie Weger. You don't have the good Branson's Adora third pair anymore. Um or is it a bit of the regression to the mean? Not every year is going to have career high production. Um, but it does seem like, you know, one of the biggest positives of the Flames last season has kind of just been leaving something to be desired this year. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. And uh, I think one of the, the main things for, like, obviously, not having, uh, not having Oliver Shillington is uh, a hit. When we're talking about offensive defenseman and you have a, a player who has again the offensive upside that he has not having him around is, is going to to not be great and so but i mean that's that has been the case all year and again they've had 72 games to kind of deal with that so i i just look at how disjointed this whole team has felt all season long like it, it's we're, we're into march now and it still feels like Ah, certainly they'll figure it out. They're still gelling. You know, like that there's, aside from whoever is playing with Michael Backlund, it feels like there's just a little bit of disjointedness around the entire team. And so, like, we're, we're having trouble getting the forward groups to move as three-person units, let alone having the, the defense coming in for five-person units, right? So it's, uh, I think that part of it is just how topsy-turvy this entire season has been. No one, aside from Tyler Toffoli, really has been able to get into any kind of a groove at all offensively. And so I think that's kind of trickling back to the guys on the blue line. And I do also think, not to, to deflect, kind of weave away into to blaming the goalies for this, but I do think that the, the struggles that Markstrom had at points this season, when you see your goalie letting in the first shot of the game, however many times that happened, or the first goal in the first five shots of the game or first five minutes of the game, when you see that kind of a thing happen, as a defenseman, just naturally you're not going to want to go, oh, yeah, I can leave him behind and go make a push offensively. You're going to kind of um, to just kind of fall back into a more defensive mindset, which isn't necessarily the wrong way to think about it. But again, when you're trying to score goals, that's not going to help things. So I think it is just one kind of part that branches off into every other thing that has struggled with this team this season playing from behind so consistently and as early and often as they have been certainly isn't a winning formula if you want to be, you know, putting and stringing wins together. Um, the kind of besides how involved in the offense, the defense, you know, has been this season, what do you think, Peter, is like the single biggest issue facing the Flames down the stretch? 
Oh, wow. Um, that is an excellent question. Uh, I think for the Flames, like that, the, the problem is there's a number of things to choose from, right? Like that there isn't just one thing. Oh, man, if they could just if they could just fix this, that would be the, the thing that could really take this team over the top. I think a few weeks ago, the problem would have been like, OK, goaltending. But I get he allowed in eight or whatever it was against the, the Kings. But I don't really put any of what happened against L.A. on Jacob Markstrom. And so there was a while ago where I would say how this team or the, the goaltending that this team is getting might be the thing that really kind of sets them back or has been setting them back and is something that they can now move forward with. But I, I do think that that is starting to correct itself, um, correct itself a little bit. I think that when this team is playing at their best, you are noticing it in the offensive zone when it comes to things like puck retrieval, like the, the stuff that is actually Daryl Sutter hockey, where you're being just absolute dogs to play against in the offensive zone that we've seen that kind of go away a little bit. It's a lot of, they're getting better at creating high danger chances, but it's a lot of stuff from the outside and it's a lot of one and done. And if you're lucky one and two and done, and then it's onto the offensive zone or onto the defensive zone. I think if they are able to kind of sustain a few more possessions, just in the offensive zone, win a few more puck battles, play with a little bit more pace and really start to, to get that flow going. You'll start to see what we're talking about, the, the three-man units and the five-man units and all of that. And, and so I think they kind of lost their way offensively. Um, and I think that would probably be the one thing that has kind of stood out as the, that this thing needs to get figured out if this is a team that's going to, to make any kind of noise in the playoffs. Like, it's, it's crazy to me that this is a team that is still just four points out of a playoff spot. And so I think when you look at, like, okay, you have 10 games left to make up four points against the Jets team, that is kind of begging to just hand you this playoff spot because they haven't played well either this year or this stretch run here. I think if they can get a little bit more consistent in the offensive zone with winning a few more pucks, getting to a few more loose pucks, like it sounds very old man hockey, but it's what this team does when they have that success. You see it in little flashes every now and then, but I think they need to get that a bit more consistently now. Do you think that the playoffs are legitimately an option for this team or is it done in your mind? I know they're only four points out. You did just say that. So technically they have a chance, but when you, when it comes down to it, do you think this team is going to make the playoffs? No, no. Um, like I, I, I look at the standings and it's tough for me to say like, yeah, you're two wins back. Of, of Winnipeg, but then you watch the team on the ice and not against the Anaheim Ducks, but against the LA Kings. As like, no, this is, this team isn't anywhere close to what they should be for, for being a playoff team. So no, I, I just, I don't see this really going that way. I think they're going to be painfully close and look, I, I will be happy to come on here once the season is done after the last game and you play back this clip and then there's like clown music playing in the background and oh, oh, oh wasn't quite an idiot. Um, I, I would absolutely <laughs> love for, for that to be the case. I just, I don't see it happening and people who were pointing to strength of schedule before they've lost a lot of bad teams and they it's it's too inconsistent the issues feel too just like woven into the fabric of the team now where you're talking about issues with the coaches and oh did the players quit and um they're having to put fires out every single night like there's just too many problems like i i just i don't see if they're doing one of those like flame season review dvds to go through yeah well they had this problem and then everyone yelled at the coach for a night and then the coach benched a bunch of guys and oh by the way they made the playoffs like i just i don't 
see them magically figuring this thing out with, with 10 games to go. So, no, my, my confidence level, if you couldn't tell, is extremely <laughs> low in this franchise seeing a, a birth in the postseason this year. Well, I appreciate uh, your candor with that. I- I've got to ask you, like, what do you make of Nazem Kadri's kind of struggles offensively over the last stretch here and-, and some of what we've kind of heard from from Elliot Friedman and different insiders about kind of how he feels like things are going lately? Yeah, I mean, it- it's one of those things that you hear when you talk to, to former players about Daryl Sutter, there isn't really a, oh, yeah, it was okay. It's either I would run through a wall today for that guy or I would hope that wall falls on him. Like, there, there aren't many there, – there isn't really a, a, a middle ground with Daryl Sutter. Players either love playing for that dude or hate playing for that dude. And for, for Nazem Kadri, he is not someone who I, I think takes kindly to some of that stuff. Like, he is a – 100% all the time. There is no fuel conservation in the game plan for, for Nazem Kadri. And so I could see that kind of wearing on a guy like that a little bit. And, and this is now 100% me projecting on Nazem Kadri. But one of the things that fr- that's frustrated me about how Daryl has handled things this year is I don't, re- if it's happened, I don't remember it. I don't recall a whole lot of times where Daryl's been like, ah, you know what, that one's on me. Like, that there hasn't been a whole lot of accountability from the coach. It's always been the, the stupid little jokes about, oh, which number was Jacob Peltry again? And uh, calling out different things. That, that There's been no, yeah, you know what, we didn't put the players in the best situation. I messed up the lines when I shouldn't have, blah, 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 blah. It has always just been Daryl's audition for Just for Laughs at the podium. That there's been, that there hasn't, I don't think, been one time this year where Daryl has really taken the spotlight off of the players at all. And so if, if I'm Nazem Kadri and I'm busting my ass for the, this team that I came to after winning a Stanley Cup last year, I'm, I'm getting a little fed up by uh, everything that, that Daryl is kind of doing. And, and so it does feel like it's kind of this, this personality clash that, that's going on in the, the locker room right now that probably is wearing thin at this point in the season. I mean, I guess looking back at the game from last night, because, uh, again, it, it was the 5-1 win against the Anaheim Ducks, Andrew Mangiapane scores a, a nice breakaway goal. How important was that goal at this point in time for the season for that specific player? Oh, it's huge. Like, it's you, you need those types of, of confidence boosts. And there have been stretches where Mangiapane has been one of the best players the Flames have had, I thought. Um, but there's also been a stretch where it, like, that we were seeing now where it's it just like the wheels have kind of fallen off for him a little bit. And I think just for a guy who is so used to scoring goals, that, that, that has been his thing in junior all the way up to this point in the National Hockey League now, that the guy is a goal scorer, and he's very good at it normally. So to see him with 14 is... Uh, a real a real summary of how the season has gone, but also just really startling to see from a, a playing standpoint. And so I, I really do think when you are looking at guys who could be X-factors to prove me wrong and to, to get this team into the postseason, he absolutely could be one of them. And if he goes on um, a tear like he can, then that is a monster boost for a team that we're talking about for goal scoring right now. I I, I just I cannot overstate how important that would be for that guy to see the puck go from his stick into the net. It's just it's those little confidence things where you just get one and it, it, it can really start to build up for you. You see it in basketball a bunch where a dude is on a bit of a struggle or a, a bit of a slump and just hits a free throw and it's like, all right, that's what that's supposed to do. 
I, I feel like for Andrew Mangiapane, it's the same kind of thing now. That that it, it was a goal that was rather inconsequential for the hockey game last night. But for him, I think that was massive for the Flames and for him. Uh, we got a couple more minutes left here with you, Peter. So I'll throw one more at you. Calgary's taking on the Vegas Golden Knights tomorrow. Uh, another big two points on the line. Another big game against a divisional opponent. What's uh, what kind of stands out to you as important things in that matchup? Well, one of the things about this matchup is the Flames have actually played Vegas pretty well, and that's why when you have the discussions about the Flames potentially making the playoffs and could they be a team that, that makes some noise, if the Flames do get into the postseason, there's a very realistic chance that they are playing the Vegas Golden Knights in the first round. Um, Vegas is a team that can mix speed and size really, really well. And it has felt like when things have gone a little bit south for the Flames, um, it has felt like they have had some troubles keeping up with either of those ways for, for Vegas. Like, they're a step slower, and they're kind of getting beat up a little bit. Um, Jonathan Quick has been playing surprisingly well in, in his return to, to Vegas, or not return to Vegas, but since moving to Vegas. I would like to see the Flames make life a little bit difficult on him. And I think, much like we saw against Anaheim, I think a quick start is going to be something that is very important for this team. They haven't had a lot of them this year. Um, so I think that this is a, a Flames group that needs to get a jump on, on this Vegas team early and then start to kind of dictate the game the, the way that they want to instead of letting Vegas decide, all right, is this going to be a heavy game? Is this going to be a fast game? I think the Flames kind of needs to be the ones who are on the lead foot, so to speak, in this matchup. Jonathan Quick's only loss so far as a member of the Golden Knights has been against Calgary. So, oh, so we have their number then. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, thanks for this, Klein. I appreciate the time. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Happy to do it. Awesome. There goes uh, Peter Klein from the Daily Hive in Calgary. He joined us there on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. And the guest hotline is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. You can dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take order delivery at 403 248 3344. We got a couple notes in the text line. It is open 96960. If you're listening live and want to join in in the conversation, uh, Darren in Calgary agrees 100% uh, about what Peter Klein had to say about the team dynamics uh, with guys like Kadri and Daryl Sutter right now. Um, Dale in Harvest Hills also said there's one word why there is no best on best in hockey at the moment, and it's Russia. It would be a lose-lose situation. Either they would need to ban a bunch of star players or let them compete and risk the wrath of fans and non-fans alike. It's not an ideal situation either way if they want to grow the game. And and that actually is relevant because there was a bit of news today from the IAHF. The 2023-24 IAHF championship season um, is going to proceed without teams from Russia and Belarus. The IAHF council announced that this afternoon. So, yes, that that's a, a great point that, that Dale made because... The IHF Council has made the decision to move forward with these next couple world championships without the Russian and Belarusian 
team. So that's a big consideration in the press release from the IHF. They said based on a detailed risk analysis, a risk assessment, excuse me, the IHF Council determined today that it is not yet safe to reincorporate the Russian and Belarusian teams back into IHF competitions. The IHF will move forward with the 2023-24 IHF championship season without those teams. So with that, we're going to head to a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to welcome a uh, friend of the show, Greg Wyshynski, to the program. Uh, maybe ask him a bit about his take on, on these best-on-best tournaments. Should we have them? Why can't the NHL figure it out? Uh, ask him a little bit about yesterday's news uh, about the Fanatics deal. He did have a great piece on ESPN about that yesterday afternoon. And uh, we'll see where else that conversation takes us with Greg Wyshynski from ESPN coming up next on Hockey Central and Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, Hockey Central continues here. Final segment of the hour, and we've got Greg Wyshynski here with us on the Atlas Pizza guest hotlines. So we're going to go right to that now. Greg, how are we today? Thanks for doing this. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm in the process of trying to buy a car, uh, so that, oh. that's that been yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So it's it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you approach it. It doesn't matter how you try to do it. It doesn't matter how much homework you do. When you sit down in that chair at the dealership, they're going to do everything they can to break you down and and crush your spirit and 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 not allow you to leave because you don't want to have to repeat the process again somewhere else. My uncle is like the general manager of a Hyundai dealership. And so I, I'm sorry, but I can't relate because he makes this all very easy for me. <laughs> yeah. hey. And no doubt all, hey, all can I get some help? In your family. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, and no doubt all the people in your family driving Hyundais as well. Right. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. Everybody loves their Hyundai Elantra. Their Kona. <laughs> and, and I'm not trying to discourage, listen, there's some really good dealerships out there. And the one that we're dealing with now is a good dealership, but, but it's just like, you know, the, it's the process of it. You know, if, yeah. if we're if we if we were ever going to, you know, uh, break the cycle in, in, in you know uh, disrupt the system, it would be to to try to do this in a different way, but not necessarily in the buying a car from a vending machine way. Which is oh, not, see, not I was going to ask either. you, like, have you thought about the vending machine cars? No, because they don't come in those giant plastic eggs, and that's really oh. why I would want to get a car out of the vending <laughs> machine is to have a gigantic plastic egg in front of my house that I have to crack open in order to find the car. Then, then maybe you've got me. Oh, that's disappointing. I thought it would come in like a giant egg as well. Well, that's okay. In other news, I saw you tweeting about the world baseball classic last night, Greg. I tweeted about this. I am personally, like, it's just an annoying thing that keeps coming up every time we get to watch, you know, other sports have fun, basically, and we think, oh, wow, that kind of sucks. I wish that could happen. Uh, <laughs> when do you think we're going to get, at the very least, a World Cup of hockey? Hopefully sooner rather than later. Hopefully before the next Olympics, that's for sure. Um, you know, w- with Marty Walsh taking over the NHLPA, you wonder, does that hasten things? Does it reset the clock? You know, what does that mean for the talks and the negotiations that'll be happening in order to put on another world cup. Uh, so we, we don't really know anything about his approach to anything really, because he just got the job and they're not really letting him talk yet. 
So once we find that out, maybe we'll have a better sense of what the timeline might be. The one thing I think that's important, though, is that, look, the, baseball got lucky. Like, the, 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 the whole World Baseball thing happened in the weeks leading up to the season. And, you know, it's people's minds are on spring training. For some reason, holding a tournament at that time works. I don't think the World Cup of Hockey works in September. I, I, if we do it again, we have to do it in season. It's the only way to really make this thing, you know, pop. You do it in September, it's going to be completely overwhelmed by the NFL. It's going to be overwhelmed by pennant races in baseball. Like, it is not going to really hit the, hit the marks you want it to hit if you're holding it before the season. If you hold it as a midseason tournament, I mean, people's minds are going to be on hockey. It'll drop at a time, like, maybe right before March Madness. It's, it's a perfect time to run it in, say, like, February or end of January. So if we do it again, we have to do it then. And I do think that it'll, it'll really – be a, a much more uh, popular tournament than the first edition. Well, the most recent edition, I should say, was. I guess the problem with having it in season would be, you know, having to hit pause on the season. But if it's a World Cup of Hockey that the NHL is involved in organizing, then maybe it won't be as much of a problem financially because they can benefit from it in a more immediate kind of cash-in-the-pocket way. Yeah, exactly right. So, you know, the big complaint that the owners have always had about the Olympics is that they have to interrupt their season for a tournament in which they get no financial benefit out of it, you know. And so the hope is <laughs> that they'd be okay interrupting the season for a, a tournament in which the, their product is enriched. It's in their, a lot of their own buildings around North America. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, half the revenue is going to go to the, the owners in the league while the other half goes to the players. So, you, you hope that math makes it worth shutting down the season for a couple of weeks. And it's, and you know, by the way, it's, it's now it's, it's not going to be too much of a, of a freaky thing to do that. I mean, the NBA is clearly headed towards some kind of in-season tournament itself mm-hmm. um, in much the same way the world cup would be for the NHL. So it's obviously going to be a part of other leagues. Um, and, and that might make the world safer for the owners and the NHL to make a bold decision to hold this within the confines of the regular season. Well, they won't be making the bold decision first. I think we, we know that much based on what we know about. <laughs> <laughs> Got to wait for someone else to dip the toe in first. That's true. That's true. Whether it's ads on jerseys or anything else, <laughs> let, let's, let someone else take the heat first, and then, and then, then we'll, we'll jump in the pool. Uh, you had the, you know, a, a big story yesterday in ESPN, Greg, about the Fanatics announcement uh, that Fanatics is going to replace Adidas as the NHL's outfitter of on-ice uniforms and authentic jerseys beginning with the 2024-25 season. It's a 10-year agreement. We don't know the financial terms, um, but you kind of had the big Q&A uh, with, I believe it was the chief executive officer for Fanatics. What are... You know, and obviously knowing that this news came out yesterday, um, but what were some of the highlights of that conversation and, and some of the things you think might have been lost in translation with some of the kind of initial outrage of this deal based <laughs> on like the quality and the cost of Fanatics products? Like, did you learn anything that might appease some fans who were upset about this? Well, first off, I, I mean, I learned how incredible the backlash was going to be. I mean, I, I knew there'd be some. I know people aren't really thrilled with Fanatics uh, and their and their real retail operations. Um, I didn't think it'd be this vicious. I didn't think I'd have people tweeting me 
uh, that we don't have to worry about people holding jerseys anymore because they'll disintegrate when they get wet. I didn't think I'd heard jokes like that when <laughs> the deal went down, but it happened, and there was a lot of them. Um, from the fanatics and NHL perspective, I, I, clearly the NHL knew that there'd be a backlash. Clearly they understand there's people that aren't happy with fanatics, and, and the league itself told me that you know they understand there's going to be trepidation about this deal. But both sides were very clear in trying to kind of stay on message, and the message is that, one, I think a lot of people just see Fanatics as a replica company, not understanding that they've actually made Major League Baseball uniforms since 2017. They make like Mm -hmm. around 100,000 of them each season. And we've not heard really anything from MLB, their players or the teams about those uniforms being insufficient. So, uh, you know, that's obviously something that a lot of fans aren't aware of, but it's clearly something that's gone right for Fanatics. Um, and then the other thing, too, is that I think a lot of people were really worried that there'd be radical changes in the way that these, these jerseys are made. Um, they're going to use the same factory in Quebec that Adidas used. From what I gather, the first couple of years are going to use the same specs jerseys have now, and then maybe you know, Fanatics puts their own stamp on it around 2026. So right off the hop, I, I don't think it's going to be too much of a huge change. Um, but uh, you know, it remains to be seen, one, if the quality remains high, and, and two, what sort of changes they eventually want to make to the jerseys. One thing I know that they have talked about is um, trying to create a bit more, uh, a few more safety measures uh, against lacerations, you know, getting guys getting cut by skate blades. Like there's one thing that mm-hmm. the PA has talked about, the NHL has talked about, and I think the Fanatics is going to explore that and, and adding that to jerseys within the next couple of years. I guess one of the concerns that I had when I saw that the NHL chose Fanatics, and again, we don't know the financial details, so maybe the decision was made just because this was a number that they couldn't say no to. But one concern that I did have is, you know, the fact that like other major brands don't seem to want to be in the business of making hockey jerseys, right? Like the Nike has different priorities that move the needle a lot more than hockey jerseys like Bauer and CCM aren't really involved like Under Armour and New Balance don't really have a presence in this sport to begin with and Adidas decided to get out of hockey and you had kind of the exclusive on ESPN last year Uh, like why did Adidas want out in the first place And, and is there something to be said about you know some of these major brands that we see with other major sports not really being involved in in this one? Yeah, there could be. And Adidas, you know, I think was sort of refocusing its efforts on uh, European soccer and and categories that they've they've also been involved with and and sort of doubling down on those categories and and getting out of hockey. But you're right. I mean, it's never it's never really a good thing when a major company is sort of like piecing out rather than rather than the NHL opting to go in a new new direction. And it was clearly Adidas saying that we're we're not going to make hockey jerseys anymore. The one thing I will say about the Fanatics deal, though, is that you have to remember how, how Gary Bettman and the NHL operate, right? So, like, Fanatics has been part of their family since 2005. That's when Fanatics, uh, you know, in their, in their previous incarnation as a company, um, it took over the NHL's e-commerce site. So they've been working with the NHL for a long time, running their retail. Uh, they started making stuff for the NHL in 2017. So there's a long-standing relationship here with the NHL Fanatics, where they're going to be very comfortable. But at the same time, you know, clearly Fanatics has never made jerseys for a pro hockey league before, authentic or authentic ones. And another thing the NHL likes to do is take a gamble on people. I mean, don't forget, like, when they got out of the canceled season, they didn't go back to ESPN. They didn't go to a major sports network. They went to the Outdoor Life Network, 
right, right in the U.S. <laughs> and 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 so they've 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 been known to take some chances on properties that maybe haven't necessarily proven themselves to be um, top of the market when it comes to the thing that they're doing. And and sometimes those gambles have worked out, and sometimes they haven't. But it's it's very much in the NHL's purview to be like. Hey, you, we know you guys. We know you haven't really done this before, but we'll find out if you can. Um, you know, moving on to, I guess, more more of a lighter note, although there's nothing actually dark and bad about talking about this Jersey deal, but it's the NHL player poll, the NHL PA player poll, I should say. <laughs> that came out today. And I used to, these are always kind of like a fun day when it comes out, except all the answers are kind of the same all the time. Uh, and now the, the off ice ones, you know, what do you think about Austin Matthews shoes? You know, that's what we're talking about. And, you know, Barkov is, is still underrated. <laughs> like when this, when this poll comes out, is there anything that kind of jumps off the page to you or is it kind of just like, Oh, they did it again. Well, I really liked the question about like the player that you don't want to play against, but would love to have as your teammate. It's like, it's like one of the only ones that I thought candid to have people in the league being like, you know what? Yeah. I would take Tom Wilson on my team. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. the most candid you're going to find, I think in this player poll is, is people, you know, it's easy to say Marshan because he scores 30 goals. It's easy to say Kachuk. But, you know, Tom Wilson's not exactly Mr. Popularity on, like, at least half the league, right? And, and to see him get his flowers as a guy I hate to play against but would definitely like to skate on my wing is, is really interesting. Um, but overall, you're right. You know, we are only a few years removed from questions like, as the worst ice? And which city do I least want to visit on the road? Like, that's the spicy stuff we were looking for in this player pool. We're not getting it anymore. You're right. It's like Austin Matthews' shoes. Who's the best passer? This is, this is fine. But, it, you know, this is, this is, again, this is the body of, 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 uh, of players that also stopped, uh, that wouldn't allow us to have the fantasy draft at the All-Star game anymore because some people might be embarrassed. Like, they just, yeah. they, 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 they don't want to stick their necks out on stuff like this. And, and even though it's anonymous and, and everything else, just like, it, it's, a, it's a bummer that they've decided to do away with any uh, anything that might grab a headline or two from this player poll. We did one of the player polls. We did it a couple of years in a row, actually, before COVID. And, you know, we all got kicked out of locker rooms for a while. But we did those at The Athletic for a bit. Uh, and I feel like those were always – you could maybe get some good stuff. I think it depended on the team that you were <laughs> trying to get those from. Uh, I The one question that nobody would ever really answer was things like, who's the worst ref Cause they'd be like, no, no yeah. I can't. I'm not going to, you know, make a man lose his job or something. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. And, and, and again, like sometimes I think there's also that trepidation about, is this really going to be anonymous or not? Like when, I, when we did our, our player uh, ranking, our, our top 10 positionally um, that use anonymous players as, as part of the sourcing for it, like there needs to be just layers of, of it's going to be okay. No one's going to see it. <laughs> You're going to be fine. You can leave your teammate off, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing before they get really candid. Um, and, and it's cool. I mean, like, that's the great thing. about. I mean, even if these polls that the NHLPA puts out are kind of innocuous and, and don't really generate much controversy, it is still kind of cool to see these guys' opinions. You know, what percentage of these guys put over Kale McCarr as the best defense that Well, turns out it's a lot of them, you know, and things like that. So there, there's still a little bit of information. Um, even if maybe there aren't any shocking results. And by that, I mean, I still have Canucks fans who 
think I left Quinn Hughes out of the top 10 defensemen when it was, in fact, his peers that did so. <laughs> <laughs> now, Dario, you obviously said something that made them pick somebody else. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I put... I, I, as a Devils fan, I put I put Luke, I put Luke Hughes on the list. I didn't put Quinn as one of the options. So. <laughs> yeah, um, we got a couple more minutes left with you, Greg. I think one of the big topics over the last couple weeks, and it'll continue down the stretch run of the season, has just been the wild card races, and, and particularly in the Eastern Conference, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins are kind of out of it. Florida Panthers are now in a spot. I mean, the, the Red Wings win last night. I mean, the Panthers lose to the Flyers last night, but, but they've been, they've been pushing and they've made a really big comeback post deadline, post all star. And one of the big drivers of that has been Matthew Kachuk. Like, do you, obviously we know that Connor McDavid, is going to win the heart. I think that's sealed. It's done. But is is Kachuk going to be a guy who gets and should get a ton of heart trophy consideration with with the way that the Panthers have been been playing and making a real push for the playoffs after most people were writing them off as the biggest disappointment of the season? Yeah, and, and I think that when you know our next awards watch will be, I guess, the final awards watch before the voting starts at the beginning of April, and I, I am I imagine that what we'll see is Matthew Kachuk take over the spot that Tage Thompson had in the top three. Like, like if, if the Sabres were relevant and not losing like seven, nothing games, like I think Tage Thompson would still get a lot of attention, even if his team doesn't miss the, doesn't make the playoffs. But when you have a guy like Kachuk, who's really kind of grabbed this team by the scuff of its neck and dragged, dragged it into the wild card in the ways that he has, um, that's a really strong case. And I mean, I think there's a lot of respect for Kachuk around the league. Uh, you're going to have a lot of Canadian writers who remember what he did for the Flames and are now seeing what he's doing on the Panthers without having, you know, uh, Lindholm and Gaudreau in his line. Uh, it's it, it really is a great story, and and I think that he is somebody who could easily end up in the top three, even if McDavid has this thing on lock. And then the other guy who's sort of been in that conversation all season long has been David Pasternak of the Bruins, who mm-hmm. uh, I think has consistently been in the top three for us in our awards watch. So. Again, it wouldn't shock me to see it be McDavid and Pasternak and, and Chuck, but we'll uh, we'll see where the voters' heads are next month. Last one for you, Greg. We we had uh, Peter Klein on the show earlier. He's from the Daily Hive in Calgary, and he doesn't have hope for the Flames making the playoffs. But I'm, <laughs> I'm curious to get you know a bit more of an outside kind of national perspective when you look at this wild card race in the west the flames are only four points out of the second wild card spot the winnipeg jets they win last night but they still haven't really been clicking the same way they were in the first half of the season like when you look at that kind of race in the west like do you think everything's locked up right now or do you think the flames actually have a shot I mean, they have a 25% shot, and that's not, 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 that's not nothing, right? Um, I do think if, if they do catch anybody, um, it's obviously going to be Winnipeg. I think, I think the Kraken are on pretty solid ground right now uh, to make the playoffs for the first time. And, you know, I've, I've, I've learned two harsh lessons in this season, uh, Haley, which is that <laughs> I've, uh, I, I overrated the Flames at the beginning of the year by saying they would win the division. I underrated the Jets uh, at the beginning of the year to say that they would not make the playoffs. Uh, While the Flames making it and the Jets missing it might make me look smarter, uh, I do think that the Jets have shown a really considerable amount of resiliency this year in overcoming these bumps in the road and staying on course. And and, and I think at the end of the day, 
they'll be able to maintain that last last playoff spot. And then we'll see what happens with Calgary. I mean, obviously, Bradshaw Living doesn't have a contract for next season. There's been discussions about an extension, you know, before this season. We'll see what happens there. And and you know, they they did some scrambly things to try to plug leaks in the ship uh, last offseason. And it'll be interesting to see what their response is to a non-playoff year if that in fact happens. All right. Great stuff, Greg. Thanks for doing this. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Okay. Thank you. There goes Greg Wyshynski uh, from ESPN. You can catch his work on ESPN.ca. He's also got a, uh, a YouTube show that you can check out as well. And, and that's all the time we have for today. we got to get out of here. Uh, we will be back tomorrow for a game day edition of Hockey Central ahead of the Flames-Golden Knights matchup tomorrow. That'll be here uh, on Sports at 960, your home of the Flames.